I'll wait. Oh, there I am. Woo, that's hot. So it's been quite a week, has it not? And before I get started on the sermon today, I just want to say uh, a couple of things. You know, I, my emotions, as many of you guys have, have ranged from fear to uh, feeling, are you prepared? Did you do everything you could? To relief that suddenly turned back to fear. <laughs> uh, then to relief, then anxiety, then frustration. Why won't this light turn on? Uh, and then, uh, you know, from there, uh, maybe some a little bit of discouragement, maybe a little bit of guilt. Uh, like, how can I complain about not having power and some people uh, don't even have a house anymore? You know, that type of thing. And I come in here this morning and I'm all stressed out. There's no band. You know, come on. Uh, and the, the kids are down here. So, I, by the way, while I'm preaching, I need you guys to be quiet while I'm preaching to the kids. So I want you guys to not be talking while I'm preaching to the children today. But um, I've been going through a lot of it. And then this morning, uh, as your pastor, I was really ministered to by our team. You know, I'm running around. What are we going to do? We can't get the door. We couldn't even get the doors open upstairs. They had swollen shut, you know, with a mess. And we have a keyboard. We know what. And, my, and Nehemiah and Mark and Dylan just say, Joe, just sit down and be quiet. We got it. <laughs> They've done a great job. Megan did a good job with that. And it's a very unusual week. We got a lot of things we're doing differently, but it's also kind of cool, isn't it? It is really cool. So I'm excited about this week. Uh, and I figure, you know, we got to get back to normal at some point, right? And so it's been about uh, six weeks since we preached on Psalm 119. We're going to get back in it today. And, uh, and I know some of you are excited about that. Some of you are rolling your eyes. Oh, back to the Old Testament. I know, but... Um, today's message is kind of interesting because it's actually quite a complicated one. And um, it's a situation where I thought maybe we should put this off another week, right? Maybe we should do something else because this is like still Hurricane Irma hangover. Maybe, but you know what? I just feel like we need to just get back into what we were supposed to be doing, which is learning uh, from Psalm 119 this week of what we were supposed to be doing. And that's what we're going to do. So we're going with week 13 of 22 for Psalm 119, and I've titled this one, Eating All Day. Amen? Kind of like what we were on the day of the storm. No lie. On the day, that Saturday into Sunday, I ate 5,150 calories. Most of them were peanut M&Ms. I ate so much food, it was ridiculous. So. That's kind of what we feel like today. But we're looking at Psalm 119, verses 97 to 104. I just want to do something to get back to normal life. We're talking about meditation today. Before we get going to that, I want to make sure you understand, we're not talking about Eastern meditation, where you do this, you know, aum. We're not talking about that. That is actually a definition of meditation that has been corrupted. The real definition of meditation is what the scripture teaches us meditation is. And so we're going to talk about what meditation actually means today based on what David teaches us in Psalm 119. So let's look at the passage today. Psalm 119, verses 97 to 104. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day. That right there scares the daylights out of me. I don't know about you guys, because I have severe ADD. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. 
I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And yes, there is a picture of Briar's mint chocolate chip ice cream down at the bottom. We'll get into that. I hope I want it to. So are you like me? Are some of you riddled with ADHD? Raise your hand if you're my ADHD brothers and sisters. Only three of you, please. I know there's more of you. So how do you think it made me feel when I first, the kids are all raising their hand, I'm ADD, I'm ADD. <laughs> yes, you are, okay. Um, my wife will tell you I'm worse than any kid with this stuff. So how do you think this idea of meditating all day made me feel when I first studied this concept? It was terrorizing. It was guilt causing. It was burdensome. And I like, I thought to myself, how in the world am I ever going to be a good Christian? Anything with the concept all day attached to it frightens me, <coughs> except for eating. So this concept of meditating all day really troubled me because as I understood it at the time, I knew that I personally, as a human being, did not have a chance. I mean, because look, I have started thousands of books. I have finished four. <laughs> Seriously though, I carried this burden of guilt about this meditation all day for decades. And the reason? Here's why. I did not have a biblical understanding of what meditation is. I had been taught that meditation required quiet, some sort of book, long times of seclusion, maybe some sort of instrumental music that I couldn't stand. And that can be part of meditation. But in reality, those things are a very tiny percentage of what biblical meditation is described in this stanza, what actual meditation would look like. So let's look at the historical application of this passage, okay? Eating all day. The psalmist outlines here the need that he has to have a focus on God's word from sunrise to sunset, not just a, a few secluded minutes during the day. There are a couple of words I want you to look at. The, word, the first one is sikah, the feminine word. It's, it means reflection, maybe complaint. In other words, you know, thinking about, man, this is frustrating. Then it also means talking or communication and meditation. That's what this word means. It's the word in the passage, meditation all day. Another word he uses about all day is this word yom. It means while it's hot, as the warm hours of the day, from sunrise to sunset, in times of trouble or in bad weather. And what he means is this, all I'm thinking about all day from sunrise to sunset is God's word. That's troubling. <clears throat> but let's think about this for a minute. Let's think about what it must have been like to spend time in God's word back in the psalmist's day. It wasn't as easy then as it is now to spend time in God's word. You need to understand exactly how hard it was to have, I even hate the devotions. There was no digital Torah that you download on an app. There was no Android or iPhone. There was no daily manna, you know, like the daily bread that some of us use. There was no daily manna booklet. There was no printing press. 
Each page of scripture had to be hand copied perfectly and they would throw it out if it wasn't perfect. Spending time with God's word was almost impossible for the average person. They didn't have access to these manuscripts many times unless they went to the temple and somebody broke it out for them. <clears throat> it was not easy. Yet somehow, the psalmist says he spent all day with God's word. It was a dominating influence in his day and it affected everything he did, everything he thought, everything he said. What did he mean by spending all day with God's word? Surely he didn't mean spending hours reading it, right? I mean, yes, he could have, as king, maybe had more access to the Torah than many others did, but he wasn't a scholar. Did you know that? David wasn't a scribe. He spent all day copying God's word. He wasn't a librarian. <coughs> he was, in fact, a king. He was a warrior. He was a governor. He was a poet. He was a musician. And he was a wretched sinner. Adultery, murder, lying, deception. But somehow, this guy indicates in this stanza what we need to think about when it comes to what meditation is. So that's the historical aspect of this passage. Now let's look at the theology. What does God do? What does he do and why and how does he do it? Before I define for you meditation, I'm going to talk about the results of meditation. And the psalmist outlines the effect of meditating all day and what your life begins to look like. First, in verses 98-100, he says there is increased wisdom. The word shakam means to teach wisdom or to make wiser. That's what he says in there. I have more wisdom than my teachers. So the first result of you having meditation all day, and don't be intimidated by that, we'll define it later, is that you have more wisdom than you used to have. The next thing we see is that there are better decisions in verse 101 and 102. He says, you know what? I hold back from my bad choices I used to make <coughs> all day. And he says, I hate every false way. Matter of fact, he says the word kalah is to hold back by act or in words. So in other words, these decisions are both physical and verbal. Another result of meditation, course, or sore, to turn off, to literally change course at a moment's no notice. In other words, you're heading one direction and you have the ability to personally, through discipline or whatever, being able to say, if I keep walking off this stage, I'm going to fall, I'm going to stop and go the other direction. One of the results of meditation is you can change the course of your life in a moment's notice. Another result of meditation is you have righteous passions, 103 and 104. He said the word of God tastes sweet. The word, the Hebrew word there is chak. It says tasting with the palate or inside of the mouth, an acquired taste. Get this now. It means an, a, a taste that is not natural, but is the result of intervention. In other words, something happens along the way where the things that you love, the things you desire, change. And things that used to taste bitter to you now taste sweet. That's another result of meditation all day. It's not a natural change of what you desire. It's not a natural change of righteous passions. It is a supernatural one. <clears throat> Through intervention, that's what the word intervention indicates. And there's another word, sonne, to hate personally. And this is what it means. He says, I hate because of your word, because of my meditation all day, I hate false ways. By the way, he doesn't say he never 
falls prey to them. He did, as a matter of fact. See, you can hate false ways, but still struggle with them. Because why? We're humans. And so I'm not saying that you're perfect. But what begins to happen is, man, I hate it when I do that. Before meditation, you didn't hate the things that your flesh loved. But after there's meditation all day, you begin to despise the things that actually rob you of joy and life. So there's a contrast between sweet, learned taste of the Word of God in our mouths compared to hating those things that we used to love before the wisdom of God entered our lives. Now let me ask you a question. Would it not be great to have a life that had increased wisdom, better decisions, and righteous passions? Would that be cool? Would you guys be all right with that? Like, wouldn't you like to say, man, you know what? I don't know what all it takes, but if you could just do something like just add water, I'd take that life. You know, or I will take one and three, but not two. Is that No, you're going to want them all, right? You're going to want increased wisdom. You're going to want better decisions, and you're going to want righteous passions. So let's talk about the devotional part of this. I'm going to read to you from my journal. Meditation frightens me. This is what I wrote in my journal the first day I studied this, decades ago. I have a long way to go before I can truly say I love God's word all day. How do I make the word of God the overflow of my heart and passion? How do I make it more than just the foundations of sermons and devotions? It must become the overflow of my thought life. Something that pops up in my mind all day. And about 25 years ago, something clicked for me. I realized why I was so intimidated by meditating all day. Because I assumed I had to develop, listen, this appetite on my own. And what happened was I began to realize that the only way that ADHD Pastor Joe was ever going to be able to meditate all day was if the concepts of God's word moved from having to be just about religion and discipline and become supernaturally induced urges and appetites. Does that make sense? I said, there is no way that I can think about this all day unless some sort of intervention takes place and God says, I'm going to make you love my word. So, what's the briars up there for? I can hear the amens ringing out already. I love Briar's ice cream. I always have. My favorites are mint chocolate chip and just the chocolate chip. They're good. I mean the creamy texture, sweet, not too sweet, but sweet enough to realize this is bad for me. The crunch of the frozen chips. Hmm, that one got a little stuck on my teeth. I gotta look it off. Y'all know what I'm talking about, see? <laughs> Let me tell you about the story of my Briars binge on July 4th weekend while we were visiting my mother in Charlotte. And thank you, Laura, for not judging me this whole weekend. They must have had a big sale on Briars at a store near my mom's house because they had a pantry fridge full of about 20 containers with six different flavors of Briars ice cream. Yes, some of which were my favorites. But you know, I. I'm, I'm willing to be bold. I was willing to venture out into other flavors that weekend. <laughs> and after not eating briars for almost a full year, right? Because, you know, I'm fat. 
I ate four containers of briars in three days. Every time I turned around, I had a bowl full of briars. Laura would see it, my mom would see it. So I started sneaking them when nobody was looking. True story. The cool texture, the creamy ice cream mixed with those delicious chips. Let me just tell you something. If I had eaten briars every time I thought about it, it would have been breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack. It would have been breathing. Obviously, I don't eat like that every day. But I think it, um, sorry, I'm just thinking about Briar's ice cream right now. I lost my train of thought. <clears throat> Guys, this is what the psalmist described when he meant all day. Guys, I didn't force myself, like, I'm going to become the disciplined lover of Briar's ice cream. I hate it, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to force myself for 30 minutes a day, every day, first thing in the morning, I'm going to get up and eat Briar's ice cream. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to memorize the ingredients. I'm going to meditate on it. And all throughout the day, I am going to think about Briar's ice cream because I know it will change my life. Guys, I didn't have to do that. Like, I could promise, I could tell you by the time I was able to cry, I liked Briar's ice cream. I was born loving it. It is a natural passion of mine, this thing called ice cream. And now there's this new one, right, for us fat people, Halo Top. <laughs> Thanks a lot, people. Have you all had this? It's lower in calories. It doesn't matter if you triple your intake though, right? Oh my goodness. It's the same thing with God's word once you're given the gift of faith. The gift of faith is a supernatural result of God's word wedging itself into your life, into your heart, into your mind, into your thoughts. An appetite for God's word that is a direct result of God calling you out of darkness into light, a natural response to the gift of faith. It is a natural side effect of redemption, transformation, and salvation. This is in contrast to the flawed, pious, religious, even metaphysical definition of meditation. This is an example, this, my passion of Briar's ice cream that weekend, <clears throat> of what biblical meditation looks like. So what does meditation all day really look like now? I'm going to kind of make you feel a little better here. The first thing is, it is your desire. Job 23, verse 12. By the way, when I say the desire, it's that you recognize that truth is more important than your worldly appetites. Job 23, 12. I have not departed of the, from the commandments of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Meaning that he thought about God's word more often than he did about eating. It doesn't mean that he read God's word more than he ate. It just means that he thought about it more than food. It says, I have treasured the words of your mouth more than food. So the first thing we understand is that meditation all day looks like this. You have a desire for truth. Like, I want to know. I'd like to know what the Bible says about this or that. I'd like, and, and I get questions from you guys all the time, text message, Facebook. Pastor Joe, what about this? What does the Bible say about that? You know what that means? You're meditating all day. And think about that, did you? You're a meditator when you want to know the truth. That's a desire or an appetite. What else does meditation all day? It's your identity. Jeremiah 15, 16. Look what the psalmist says. And, well, before we read that, 
What begins to happen is people know that you identify with Jesus and the gospel because of how you respond to truth in your physical outward lives. While some are offended by biblical principles, you love them, even the ones you struggle with. Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found and I ate them and your words became to me the joy and delight of my heart for I am called by your name. Oh, Lord God of hosts. What happens is meditation all day begins to make you look like you follow Jesus. It is your identity. Meditation all day begins, other people are beginning to see, oh, he's one of those. Oh, she's one of them. Another thing that meditation looks like, it's your philosophy. This is a good one. It shapes your worldview, how you process the world around you, how you process your interaction with people and places and things. And it also helps you begin to pinpoint lies. He says in Psalm 119, 104, through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Before meditation all day took up its place in your heart because of the gift of faith, you were blind to many of the false ways, were you not? You were blind to them. But now that meditation all day is there, you begin to be able to see false ways. And you begin to have this idea of being able to process information like a child of God. And the last one, it's your dialogue. If you have nothing to say, by the way, about God's word ever, you know why? It's because you have nothing to say. And I mean that. Ezekiel chapter 3, 1 through 4. Let me just read this. And we're almost done here. Stay with me. And he said to me, son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll. In other words, the word of God. He gave me the scroll to eat. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I will give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it. And it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. And he said to me, son of man, now go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. What happens is if there is meditation all day, you begin to sound like the Bible a little bit. Sure, there might be some choice words here and there that you might struggle with and insert sometimes, you know. But what begins to happen is you begin to talk about biblical concepts. You begin to love to talk about, let me tell you how I was redeemed. Let me tell you the changes in my life. Let me tell you about what grace is. Let me tell you about what faith is. And you begin to have discussions with other people about God's word. Then there's Luke 6.45. This is from the New Testament. The good person out of the good treasures in his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So as we talk about meditation all day, what it looks like and all these things, there are two concepts that I want to leave you with. The first one is this. If there is no meditation all day, then you probably aren't a Christian. You probably don't have spiritual life. Now, I don't know if that phrase scares some of you, but I hope it doesn't if you've really understood what I've tried to do in defining what meditation is. It's not just the fact that you sit down for a quiet moment every day and read the Bible. That certainly is part of it and can be part of it, but it's a small percentage of it. You know why I know that? Because the psalmist said, I'm meditating even when it's hot during the day. Well, don't people work during the day when the sun is up? 
I mean, how are you supposed to be reading the Bible when you're supposed to be, you know, working? What's fascinating is meditation all day allows you to do your work from a biblical perspective. But if there is no all day meditation, it's probably because you don't have spiritual life. Meditation as defined in Psalm 119. Because the word of God should be sweet to your taste. And if it isn't, there could be a problem. So I don't mean to alarm you, but I, I think the truth is this. If there isn't some sort of element of meditation all day beginning developing in your life, it's probably because you haven't been given the gift of faith. Because it is a direct result of God saving you. Which is the next point. Meditation is a direct result of the gift of faith and spiritual life. So let me explain it this way. For years, I thought meditation was something I had to achieve. I had to get good at it. I had to force myself, I, I am going to be a good meditator. Wasn't well, that kind of arrogant? I mean, Ephesians 2 teaches us, he prepared us for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we trip over. Meditation is not something you achieve. It's not something you can brag about. It is a natural reaction to the gift of faith. Meditation is not a sign of your spiritual maturity. Did you hear what I just said? It is not a sign of your spiritual maturity. It is a sign of your miraculous transformation. Do you see the difference? If there is an opportunity for you to meditate all day, it's not because you are so good. It's because God is so good. The psalmist didn't have this relationship with God's word because he was something special. Some sort of spiritual giant. No, in fact, he was not something special. He was probably a worse sinner than all of us. But he had this relationship with God's word because of what God had done in his life in spite of who he was. Church, the same is true with us. So this week in Psalm 119, what I'm teaching you is this. Through the gift of faith, you will begin to become someone who meditates all day. It's in your thoughts. It's in your words. It's in your actions. It's in your decisions. Yes, it's in time you spend in God's word. It is in your identity. It is in your focus. It is in your passions. It is in your philosophy. It encompasses every aspect of your life. And yes, it produces sometimes hatred of false ways that you find yourself right in the middle of. And that's okay. Did you know that if you're in sin and you can see where you're in sin, that's meditation. How does that make you feel? Shoot, I am meditating all day then, yeah. <laughs> I hope today's message begins to relieve a burden from you about what this meditation thing means. It's not the Eastern mysticism idea. It's not this pious Southern Baptist idea. It is the idea of this. Boy, God's word has supernaturally wedged itself into my heart, life, and mind. And everywhere I turn, I hear it and see it. Heavenly Dad, we confess to you that there's a lot of guilt that we carry around with this meditation thing. Today, we ask that you would relieve us of that as we understand the biblical definition of what meditation all day means. Lord, we're busy people. We need a definition of meditation that makes itself available for those of us who are busy. God, thankful 
we are. That through faith and transformation, you help us to learn what it means to love Briar's ice cream all day. In Jesus' name, amen.